Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. In this series of special podcasts, we'll be talking about the Doctor's companions, assistants, mates or fam if you will. And each episode, I'll be talking to a very special guest about a companion of their choice and discuss topics such as the companion's impact on Doctor Who and why fans connected or perhaps did not connect with that particular member of the TARDIS crew. My guest this episode is one of the co-hosts of the Verity podcast and the host of Start the Music podcast. It's Katrina Griffiths. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. We've wanted you on this show for a very, very long time, actually, so I'm <laughs> very, very pleased you're here. So. It's nice to feel wanted. <laughs> right, so um, you're here to talk about um, a companion, mm-hmm. and you have picked Canton Everett Delaware the Third. Yes, who is definitely yeah. a companion. Yes. Now, I know it's going to be a lot of people out there who would um, argue the point on that one. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> so um, let, let's start off with why do you think he is a, a bona fide companion? Well, from what a lot of the more so old school fans than new school fans um, tell me is that to be a companion, <laughs> the, you have to have... I guess you have to have ridden the TARDIS, which technically he didn't do, but he was in the TARDIS. He was introduced to the TARDIS. He was over multiple episodes, and we also see Canton as um, as an older older person, um, leading us to believe that at some point the Doctor had additional travels with him or additional contact with him, which makes me think that perhaps he did indeed travel in the TARDIS at least at least briefly. Plus, he plays a huge uh, huge part in the actual two parter. Yes, he does. Um, I, I think sort of people have, have kind of forgotten just how much of a part he played in that particular story, because um, he was he was there throughout, wasn't he? To be honest, he was he was there amongst all the the Doctor's plans, and it was a long game they were playing as well. Yeah. Um and he he was there through throughout the whole the whole thing. So, um, no, I, I I actually do agree with with, with you, Cat, um, because I, yeah. I think he I think he is actually a um, a, a companion because you say. Um, he might, I can't remember if he travels in the TARDIS or not, actually. Well, he doesn't on screen because he he goes in and he kind of freaks out a bit and Rory starts to explain what it is and the doctor comes over and says, you know, what are you doing? I was going to tell, I was going to ease him into it or something like that. And he's like, <laughs> well, I'm telling him about time, uh, traveling in time. And Canton pipes up with, it can travel in time and space. And the doctor kind of face palms. Um, but he doesn't actually travel anywhere. At, like, yeah, it, with the TARDIS running. Yeah, yeah. Because do you know what? It's a long time since I've last seen um, an Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon, and I, I remember the bit with with the the, the TARDIS inside that um, that prison um, in uh, Area Fifty One that the Doctor was trapped in. I know that the it had the uh, invisibility um, thing on the TARDIS. And I couldn't remember at that point whether Canton got in the TARDIS and left the prison with him or not. I can't remember. No, he he stayed because the whole thing was he was putting up the guys that he was there to, you know, that he'd already destroyed. He'd already killed two of the companions, like Rory and Amy. And then Mm. he had the doctor captured and they do their whole long game inside. And then they say, you know, don't aren't they going to wonder where where you went? And he's like, no, no, it's it's fine. And they leave and he comes out and there's nothing inside. 
that's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, so you, I, I bow to your superior knowledge there. I just, I could not remember I, that. I so. just watched it yesterday. Let's be completely honest. <laughs> I just watched it yesterday. So do you reckon this, this sort of character would um, sort of come back into, I mean, it's like a big finish for argument's sake. It's, it's, wouldn't you say it's probably like a, it's a prime candidate for big finish? I think Big Finish or Torchwood, I can totally see Canton getting him. Okay, I just that's just my fan wanting of getting um, John Barrowman and, and Mark Shepard in the same room. But um, I can totally see them coming back in audio. And Mark Shepard's done that kind of thing before. Yeah, that's right. He has, isn't he? So, so what what is it about the character um, that that you actually like then? Because um, I say it, it was you know like a one shot character. Um, what what is it about that particular um, character that's actually sort of stayed with you since was it two thousand eleven, isn't it, when this was uh, a long we time. lost it on the screen? Yeah, yeah, a long time. Um, I guess it's it's so it's so stereotypical to say, but he's got that kind of snarky, hard exterior, and you know you find out later on that the only reason he was he was kicked out or he left um, was because he wanted to marry another guy, um, mm. marry a black guy at that. Um, so it's kind of the it's nice to see that he's got I think he's got actual depth, which a lot of kind of one off characters, they serve the point of the plot and then nothing more than that. They just kind of they're in, they do their thing and then they're out. And I feel like I could see him continuing to live past when the doctor leaves his life. Yes, yes, you can actually. Um, yeah. You could. It was sort of like at the beginning. You you know, you just see him sitting in the bar, and they they sort of sort of pressing back into service again. And you could sort of imagine that they will keep doing that to him throughout his life, or maybe it's even happened before. You don't know, do you? <laughs> no, and that's the thing. They leave. I mean, Mark Shepard is wonderful at playing those kind of characters where you don't get all the details, and you might never get all the details, but he can play the important highlights that you need to see and kind of let the rest up for your imagination. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, that was, I mean, I must admit, I haven't seen, um, hold my hands up here, sort of bad fan, or bad sci-fi fan, really. I haven't seen Firefly. I've seen the, uh, the film Serenity, but I've never actually watched the TV show, but I, I did catch, um, a few minutes where Mark Shepard was in one of them. He was, uh, um, like a badger. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, I've only seen him in that, but the only other thing I do definitely remember him from was Battlestar Galactica with the the fantastically named Rollo Lampkin. Mm-hmm. Um, lawyer. The lawyer, yeah. So, but again, I can see what you mean. Um, the, the sort of comparison with that character and the Canton um, character, there is something hidden there. You didn't know a lot about Rollo Lampkin at all. Mm-hmm. But he was sort of, for a lawyer, um, almost sort of impossibly cool as well, to be honest, <laughs> with, with, with the shades and all that. So, and almost, almost sort of walking in slow motion all the time as well. It was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that's, that's the only thing I can um, I, I, I really sort of know him from um, is that, and, and Doctor Who, to be honest. But he has appeared in quite a few other predominantly sort of US or the North American based TV shows, hasn't he? He's not that well known in the UK. Well, he, um, you know, full full disclosure, um, I have, I made it a project. My first ever spreadsheet project was Mark Shepard. And he's been in a, as of last I checked, he's been in 138 or 139 
different projects. Wow. Whether that was, you know, little one-offs or, or leading cast, that kind of thing. And I've seen every single one of them. <laughs> so I actually told him that and he didn't believe me. Are, are, um, are we are we fangirling here? <laughs> a, a tiny bit. But it was, it, was just, it was just funny because I told him he didn't believe me. And um, he said, fine, I'll quiz you. I'm like, okay. So he quizzes me on like this show from 1991 that he was in for like three episodes. Um, and I told him who the character was. And he's like, how did you see that? That's not even available on, like, it's not out for release anymore. And I'm like, I found a VHS on eBay kind of thing. So, so yeah, there is a, there's a tiny bit of fangirling going on. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so in this particular story, because, I mean, I, I, I think for me personally, this particular series of, 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 of Doctor Who, like series six, um, I find a little bit after sort of like um, Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon. I find that the rest of the series is a little bit patchy. That there's some good stuff in there, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I find after after this particular sort of two parter, it's a little bit up and down for me. Mm-hmm. And I think the um, that the whole series gets a little bit sort of. T- I know it's meant to be surrounding the mystery of River Song, but I think this is the series that kind of ruins River Song for me in, in a in a funny way. It gets a bit too much. So personally, I would have liked to have seen the series more with Canton than River, <laughs> yeah. if, I'm perf- if I'm perfectly honest here. Uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I don't know. I think the series kind of, I felt it gets kind of sitcom-y. Mm. And I don't necessarily mean that in the best way. I just feel like the whole you know oh my god she's our daughter oh my god we're her parents timey wimey like can you not can you you know can there be a good storyline behind that as well but there, that was kind of lacking it was yeah um and i know sort of people love the so we're getting onto this turning the almost like the river song podcast now but i know sort of people love that character and i did to begin with but it was this series that just kind of it i don't know it, it just kind of ruined it for me and i, I can't quite put my finger on it I think they made River just a little bit too knowing, a little bit too arch, um, a, a few too many quips, if you see what I mean. People love that. I mean, it's just my it's my personal choice, um, yeah. you know. Um, but I think with, as you said, with the Canton um, character, he's a little bit more, as you say, he's got a very dry sort of sense of humour. Yep. You know, and there's and there is that mystery behind him. Um, okay. You sort of find out, you know, right at the very end, why he was kicked out of the FBI, <laughs> um, which I, I actually, it's that, it's that final line um, to, um, uh, was it to, to Nixon? He just goes, he is like that, and when he sort of like, you know, when she's like the color, the, the, the person's color, he's like, he is like that, and I just like, you know, the actor who does uh, Nixon. Um, his reaction to it is like, oh boy, okay then. Like, you know, not, not quite ready for that in 1960s America. Yeah, yeah, that is... was the step too far. Not that he's a guy, but no. that he's a person of color. That's the big, you know. That's the, the biggie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was, um, yeah. I, I, it, I mean, I think that is a really enjoyable two-parter, um, and I do like the the fact that Canton is is there. He's not sort of like on the peripheral um, of. of periphery of the team sorry um he's there right in the middle of it which is i suppose you could say quite unusual for like a one-off or one-shot character really to be that involved in the story and and also with the doctor and and the doctor's usual tardis team 
Well, he puts a lot of, I mean, the doctor puts a lot of faith in him. I mean, one, because mm. he sends him back. Um, well, he sends his, his older self back to the, to where the astronaut shoots the doctor. Um, mm. But also because you have this long game going on and the doctor's essentially chained up in the big um, Archon Star or whatever it's called, the, the big prison. And he's basically yeah. incapacitated. While this whole thing is going on, and he trusts Canton enough to make sure that Rory and Amy are safe, and Canton's the only one in that team that knows that Amy and Rory can't actually die; they're not actually being killed, and that's a lot of faith to put into somebody who you haven't known that long. That's right. That's right. Um, but it's also the—I don't know if this is sort of FBI training that he's. Um, I think a lot of people have, have a bit of an issue with this one because he. I, he, he does manage to shoot one of the silence as well but again that's all part of the the grand plan because he does actually get a um a doctor to patch it up mm-hmm. basically um and you've got the whole trick in the science in to say you must you must you should kill us all on site um now i think a lot of people have a, a bit of an issue with this story because the doctor basically gets the human race to murder a silence every time they see one or anytime they see one but then they forget about it don't they yep that, yeah. that makes it okay i'm pretty sure yeah. that makes it okay <laughs> I wonder if you can get away with that in court, though. I don't remember. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think but, people have uh, tried that. I think they have, yes. Yeah, so no doubt, no doubt. But uh, No, it, it's just the... I, I actually sort of... Um, I thought he would have sort of returned at the end of the series because they do bring back, like, the um, with the Red and the, Red and the River Sun, they bring back uh, Churchill, for mm-hmm. argument's sake. Um, I never sort of quite figured out why... Not Canton. Maybe it's because of the whole long game and the older Canton sort of coming back to yeah. give the envelopes and the gasoline and everything. Um, I'm sure but, it also had to do with the fact, like logistically speaking, that Mark Shepard was filming Supernatural at the same time, I think, or was just 2011. Yeah, he would be filming Supernatural right around that time too. So it could have been just he's a busy guy and they couldn't yeah. get him back in. Yeah, exactly. So hasn't he, um, hasn't he appeared with his father in other shows as the same character? Um, I don't think as the same character. They've appeared in stuff together, um, but I don't think they've appeared as like as time remember, travel versions. Time of travel other. versions of each other. Now I, I just remember reading. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I do remember reading somewhere that they, they they appeared together as the same character. But um, hang on, I'll just call something up here. Um, it says he played war criminal. I haven't pronounced this well. Marson Jarrett, also known as Mr. Payne, NCIS episode Broken Birds, and also Captain Nemo in the 2010 film Jules Verne's Mysterious Island, which Mark Shepard also directed. Oh yes, I completely. I've I, I've seen the NCIS episode a long time, a yeah. long time ago. Um, but the uh, but the Jules Verne thing, I do I do remember. I know he's done a lot of stuff where he's directed and his father's been in the show. Hmm. Um, but not that they both appeared in it. It's it's quite weird that they both him and his father's always had the sort of almost like the same kind of career trajectory. Really, they are both from the UK, but they've had sort of like quite a bit of success in in North America, and both have starred in so many different programs. Um, I mean, I I first know his father from Max Headroom. Um, mm-hmm. all, all those years ago so um, 
and I, I never actually realised that he was the father of Mark Shepard until Doctor Who, basically. So, um, but it's just that thing. I mean, you know, he's been in Star Trek as well, W. Morgan Shepard, on more than one occasion, as it turns out. Has, has Mark Shepard ever appeared in Star Trek? Like Next Gen or something like that? Uh, yeah, he was in Deep Space Nine, I think. I think it was Deep Space Nine. He plays like a, a, a criminally type alien. He's got like the forehead ridge, forehead ridges tattoo on his face. He's kind of, I don't think... Oh, he's... that rings a bell now, actually. When you yeah. mention the tattoo, yeah, that does ring a bell. Because he doesn't tend to do oh. a lot of prosthetic work. He tends to do a lot of... Well, he plays a lot of suit and tie characters. Yes, um, yes. It does, it does seem to be... Uh, well, FBI agent and a, and a lawyer. They're the two I've just reeled off, so that's all I, that's all I can reel off, I'm afraid. But, yeah. But, um, no, I didn't realise he was also in um, In the Name of the Father um, as well with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, he's got with, long hair in that one. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, was, it, was, it Jim Sh- was it Jim Sheridan's character he played in that one, I think? So... But uh, yeah, I, I I never realised he was in that film. I've seen it, and I don't recall him being in it, which is weird. It's it's not not easy to find either. No, it's not actually. It's not. I don't know because it's uh, <laughs> it was. It, I don't know. I think it might be in the UK. I'm not too sure about um, um in uh, your side of the pond. I'm not entirely sure to be honest. But uh, mm. yeah. Oh well. Oh well. So so if you had to, obviously you. You've said um, the character to come back in, you'd like to, you know, maybe Torchwood or something, but just the same with, with John Barrowman. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, do you think that sort of when Torchwood was on the TV and you think about something like, um, like a Miracle Day, for argument's sake? I know that was more that was more set in sort of present day, but um, do you think that's the, that's the sort of thing that, that that character maybe could have returned in if if we sort of put the big finish angle to one side? Maybe more than the, uh, how can I put it? The, it was the, I can't remember the, the character's name, but the actor, Mekki Pfeiffer, I can't remember the character's name there in, in Miracle Day, but um, may, maybe Canton would have fitted quite okay into that one, perhaps? Yeah, well, I mean, I think he he could have played any kind of middle to high level FBI or you know MI6 or, that's the weird thing is he always plays like FBI. But yes. he's British. He never plays I know. six. No, never. I they say all the things I've. I mean, I've had a quick look, and it's all like um, you know, American or things I've seen him in. He's been an American or North American character, never British. And I know I never got that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, supernatural. He's he's British, um, but he still doesn't have that. I mean, he doesn't have that strong of an accent to begin with. But no. Um, but yeah, he always plays like this FBI. But to to return to the question, I think he could be. He could have fit into Miracle Day, even as a smaller character that kind of as a roadblock to what was going on in the in the series. Yeah, I, th- I think so as well, because it's that kind of... He does play those kind of characters very, very well, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and it's... <laughs> It's always it's like a, he's, he always sort of plays authority figures, but at the, I mean, like the Roland Lampkin, um um, part for argument's sake, he's, he's obviously he's a lawyer, he's a figure of authority, but he seems to sort of thumb his nose at authority at the same time. Yeah, it's and it's weird because when he was when he was younger, earlier on in his, his career, he mm. always played criminals and 
like the people you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley and the people who <laughs> you can't really trust them. You know, you, you trust them as far as you can throw them kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then suddenly he got a couple jobs and suddenly he's playing FBI and he's playing these kind of authoritative but doesn't want to be authoritative characters. Do you know what? It's really weird. I, I, I'm, I'm just looking at his, um, his Wikipedia page and particularly his television um, section and there's nothing on there um, that I can see that is actually UK television. Absolutely nothing, because usually people are sort of like around about sort of his age have usually been in the bill. Um, if if you're, if you're familiar with the bill, yep. 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 So yeah, there's lots of people have been in the bill, but he's one of the few actors who hasn't been in the bill. So yeah, if, he hasn't been in the bill. He hasn't been in East Enders. He hasn't been in Doctors. He hasn't been in uh, what's the other, Casualty or Holby City or you no, know, hasn't been in either of those and. Yeah, he he's just he's kind of made his mark in a, in American TV. Yeah, yeah, which which is weird actually. I mean, at least his, his father certainly started um, in this country. Um, it was oh, what's that film? Um, Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that one? <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, which, which which has got a bit of a, a bad rep actually, but it's one of those it's one of those bad good movies if you see what I mean. I I, I enjoy it. I like Hawk the Slayer. But uh, for for all its faults, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but usually sort of um, those sort of like genre character actors usually start out in those kind of things, and, and unfortunately, we the British film industry doesn't seem to churn out those kind of films anymore. Um, but really, that's the kind of thing that you'd expect someone like Mark Shepard to, to sort of sort of cut his eye teeth on. To, to be honest with you, it's always those sort of low budget sort of fantasy films that don't tend to get made um here certainly here in the uk i know they do i mean the was it the sci-fi channel chuck them out you know one a week basically didn't they those sort of um what's the name of the studio that makes those those films i've forgotten um oh um, oh Web, whoever's in the cinema they'll do a cheaper version of it yeah i know what you close, mean i just can't yeah um oh god Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I saw one. I saw one the other the other week. I saw we're going wild off topic again. It, it was um, it was a knockoff of Pacific Rim, um, and and it was appalling. It really mm-hmm. was appalling. Um, oh god, it's, it's going to bug me now. What the name of this this film company is? Oh well, never mind. Never mind. I'll, I'll find out later. But uh, yeah, so yeah, but usually they sort of cut the right. You end up in those kind of like you know the TV movie of the week kind of things. But he's kind of almost sort of avoided that. Sort of well, that, that niche, isn't he, in a certain way? No, well, he's done it for the American side. Um, because, like, there's a there's a running joke that if, if you watch sci-fi, whether, or not, whether you know it or not, you've watched Mark Shepard. Because he's just, <laughs> he's so prolific, he's been in everything. And it's stuff like, you know, X-Files. Like, he has an episode where he's in X-Files. Yes, he has, and yeah. He plays possibly the most disturbing character that, like, his all-time like most disturbing character called the smoking man um who offers cigarettes to children it's brilliant Um, (laughs) (laughs) the kids are playing on the swing set and he's sitting there smoking and he's a pyromaniac um and the kids look at him and he offers them a cigarette and they almost take it and then the parents call them and they like run away oh wow um, I, don't, is, I don't. That's. I don't remember that one actually. But I remember. Yeah. I remember the. I remember the cigarette smoking man, obviously from the X Files. But um, 
I don't, I don't, I don't remember him at all, actually. Yeah, it's the only episode of X Files I've seen. <laughs> oh, <is he> right? <laughs> I was like, well, I, I watched them all. Well, practically all of them, anyway, up until the end when when sort of Mulder and Scully weren't in it anymore, and I kind of sort of lost lost a bit of interest. But mm-hmm. uh, now, certainly in the early days, I I was an avid viewer of the X Files. So, but I don't remember that one. I remember, I remember someone offering cigarettes to children. That's uh, that is it's quite a, disturbing, actually. <laughs> it's a, it's a very short little. A little thing he's kind of being a bit daring because up, up until that point he's kind of been hiding away and um he starts kind of going around Mulder and Scully and kind of making his presence known and at, th- at that scene he's just chilling on the lawn near like the little playground they have outside the hotel yeah um, or outside the the manor house kind of thing um and yeah he just he offers them a cigarette and then as they run away he just kind of shrugs and goes back to to smoking at the smoking again. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't see kids smoking there, which is a good thing, to be honest. You really <laughs> don't. You really, yeah, it's excellent. So you said you've you've um, you've met Mark Shepard. Now I've I've heard him being interviewed um, on on, on um, another podcast, and he was a little bit snippy with the interviewer actually. <laughs> so what what was he what was he like actually? Um, well, I've met Mark Shepard six times. Okay. Um, you know, this is this is peak fangirl here. Um, <laughs> I've met him about six times. Um, he's never been anything other than than sweet and nice to me. The problem is, is he does not. From what I've learned, he doesn't suffer fools lightly, and mm. he doesn't appreciate people who either don't do their homework, or they ask you know stupid questions or or things like that. Plus, he does have a very, as we would call it over here very british sense of humor like a very dry yeah kind of sense of humor um and i feel like he if the right person interviews him um and uh, talking more so about i know radio friscaro um steven Shapansky interviewed him at one point and if you listen to it he sounds like he's being really snippy but if you listen to it again and kind of just pay attention to what he's saying there's mm. a there's a like a verbal back and forth there's a point in the interview where Mark Shepard realizes that, okay, Stephen can handle this. You know, I don't have to be, you know, super polite just for the sake of being polite. And he kind of starts, like, bantering, kind of teasing back and forth. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. That that was the interview I was referring to, so well done. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've listened to that. Because there was a, a time when I almost had the chance to interview him. Um, and the first time I met him was at, at Galley. Um and I was very worried because I had heard people say that he was very snippy and very, um, you know, not, not that nice. And mm. I know the people ahead of me were very, very nervous. And they were young, a lot younger than I was. They were very, very nervous. And he just picked up right away that they were nervous. And he was so sweet and so nice. And he came out from behind the table and kind of knelt down to talk to them. And um, so he just he just doesn't put up with stuff. You know, he just doesn't appreciate people wasting his time i guess yeah well i suppose you can understand it because i mean if if you're in that line of work you know if you want to call it you know show business um you have to sort of like sit down and do a lot of i suppose in their eyes sort of quite boring interviews really being asked the the same questions over and over again um and particularly with as i as i found listening to people who, who um sort of talk to their sort of you know so people have been in doctor who um and they always sort of like you get the 
questions from the audience. It's always, you know, what's your favourite episode? Do you remember in this episode when you said this or that or the other? Um, and I, I suppose it must get a little bit monotonous for them. Yeah. To be honest. And- so I suppose you'd say that that's why they're not going to suffer fools gladly, really. Yeah, and there's also the fact, too, that Mark Shepard tends to play supporting characters. There's, he doesn't do many leading leading man. I mean, he's not mm. a leading man in the eyes of American television. Um, no. You know, he's too short, he's too British, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So I think playing... So I can't speak for him, but I mean, seeing him do interviews with the other leading people, Supernatural especially, he takes it upon himself to be the kind of snarky snarky foil to their very polite you know very okay with the media very you know it it, it breaks the monotony up yeah it does yeah yeah i can imagine it must be because you see you, you see about these like the press junkets they they just sit there and it's one after the other isn't it it it's, must be sort of pretty boring tiring whatever whatever you want to call it really so um i suppose when you do get someone who's he feels that he can be a little bit more, as you say, he can get more of a verbal backwards and forwards going. Mm-hmm. Um, it must sort of break it up for him more than anybody else. Yeah, and I know one yeah. of my one of my absolute favorite memories of what anything he's ever done um, when it comes to like press and stuff is one year at a convention. It was him and his dad were both on stage, and they booked oh, right. them. Okay. They booked them together. They didn't have a moderator. Um, so basically Mark was the moderator for the whole thing. Um, so any people that asked questions, if they were stupid questions, he would just outright say, that's a stupid question. And he would go on to the next question. So there was no, this is more of a comment, you know, this is, there was no, this is more of a comment than a question. And the couple of people that kind of get a bit, well, not blue, but people that mentioned fan fiction, um, Mm -hmm. to Mark Shepard, um, he very quickly turned it back on them and was like, oh, can you repeat that question to my father who knows nothing about fan fiction? Are you willing <laughs> to ask me that question if I put it to him? And they're like, no. And he's like, exactly. So that's, you know, enough of that. Let's move on to the next question. Let's move on, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, has there been any um, any sort of fan fiction about, about Canton that, that you're aware of? at all no 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 you brought up the subject of fan fiction because it it can get a little odd sometimes so um yeah um (laughs) i know there's at least one very sweet very g-rated um kind of canton and his husband like the whole fault the whole aftermath of of the the two-parter okay you know him going back and saying you know i tried it was it was just a very sweet kind of almost tearjerker of you know i tried to kind of make things right and tried to get us married and that's not going to happen yeah. and 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 that kind of thing. So it was a very nice little continuity, like a continuing little bit of, of fan fiction canon um, that I really wish I could have seen seen on screen rather than just read it. Yeah, sort of like one of those sort of um, those little things that when, when Stephen Moffat was in charge of Doctor Who, one of those little extra bonus things used to get released on iTunes or mm-hmm. on the iPlayer or something. Yeah, a lot like so, that. Yeah, so that was yeah that that now that for fan fiction that sounds quite nice actually to be honest with you. Yeah, um, given that he's a, a gay character on TV, I mean fan fiction fan fiction writers love a canic you know a canonically gay character on TV. Yeah, it doesn't right, happen. Yeah. They have to do less work to kind of yeah. make things work. But surprisingly, 
with the exception of him showing up at that bar that that Jack Harkness shows up at that has like Russell Tovey mm-hmm. his character yeah. there um Alonzo um there was a little piece of fan fiction that wasn't G-rated that had Jack showing up at that bar in Canton was also at the you know sitting a little bit away from from Alonzo Oh right okay okay I, was, I suppose in in the Doc Two fans love to love a little bit of continuity, so I, 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 <laughs> so yeah, that that kind of works actually. That does kind of work. The old time travel thing as well. I can imagine the doctor's just dropping him off there for argument's sake. But, yeah, yeah, like I can yeah. see, I can see you're upset. So here, here's a bar. Yeah, here's a bar. Yeah, have fun. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's say no, because say that the, some of the I, I've seen some some fan fiction stuff, and it, not just Doctor Two, other TV shows as well, and it it's sort of like. Wow, you've you've guys have got some really vivid imaginations going on here. You really have, you know. It's uh, yeah, it's um, oh well, whatever floats your boat, really, isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah. It's, if it's not hurting anybody, exactly, exactly. It's just it's just a bit of fun for people. It's just um, <laughs> okay. Some some of the prose leaves a lot to be desired, but you know the, the ideas behind it. Fair enough. <laughs> well, That's there's, cool. There's plenty of television shows that you know leave a lot to be desired. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. <laughs> Oh dear! Actually, you actually you just reminded me. Um, I, I've actually seen Mark Shepard in in person as well, and it's only just I've only just remembered this. It was when um, the BBC did their first what, what they call a Doctor Who convention, uh, the one they the first one they did in Cardiff, mm-hmm. which was in two thousand and twelve. I think it was. Yeah, it was two thousand twelve. Um, and this is when they were plugging um, series seven. So Mark Shepard had been and gone from Doctor Who, but he was there. I remember I, you've just I, when you said about him being sort of sweet with the fans and everything. I remember he was there and he was sitting up in um, in the main sort of theatre where like um, they were interviewing like Matt and Karen and Arthur and Stephen Moffat, mm-hmm. and he was up there in, in the in the in the balcony. And I just I just now remembered he was just sort of like. Mixing with the fans, he wasn't there as a. As a um, it didn't appear to be there as a, like a paid guest. I don't. I don't think it was any panels or anything. He was just there. I mean, he could have been there just for for autographs, or he could have been. Yeah. Just, I mean, he's a big fan of Doctor Who, just in yeah. and of itself. Yeah, I, I I just sort of get the impression he was there as a fan, more than anything else. Which which I thought I, I just suddenly remembered that, but because <laughs> I only I only sort of like saw him because I remember looked across. Thought, That's Mark Shepard. You know, because everyone else was gulping at like Matt Caron Arthur on the stage, and I sort of looked up. Oh wow, it's Mark Shepard, and that—that was it, really. So yeah, I think because he's gotten this reputation of being um, being short with fans or being snarky and not very nice, that's mm. allowed him to kind of move around conventions and not be accosted like someone else would be that there was in Doctor Who. Um, yeah, just because I know one year at 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 Galley, of course. That's the convention I always go to. Um, mm-hmm. He was just waiting in line for Starbucks. Nobody came yeah. up to him. Nobody said anything mean to him, um, except for the girls a couple ahead of me were kind of mm. whispering and like, "Hey, that's Mark Shepard," kind of thing. And yeah. he turned and he turned around um, and said, "You know, you could just say hi," <laughs> like, and then just turn back <laughs> around. And they just were like, "Oh my god, he's you know, oh my god, he spoke to me. He spoke to me." <laughs> Kind of thing, but nobody approached him, and nobody tried to bother him. And I don't know if that's just because of the conve- that convention has that culture, but also just because he's got this reputation. 
I, I, just say, I think there could be, it could be 50-50 mm-hmm. on that one, actually, because, um, as you know, I've been to, I've been to Galley as well, and, and it's really weird because I, I haven't got a great deal of convention experience, if I'm, um, if I'm honest. And the first convention I actually went to was that, that BBC one, um, in Cardiff. And, you you were kept at arm's length from everybody. Nobody, you didn't mingle with with the, the stars. There was security around them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, when I went to um, Galley, you're just sort of standing next to various Doctor Who alumni or whoever might have been, you know, his other shows. With Nichelle Nichols was there one year for for Christ's sake, you know, she's an absolute legend. Yep. Um, but they they just sort of standing there mingling. No, they. You don't bother them. They don't bother you. They're just another person at the at the con, which I which I really like mm-hmm. actually. You know that they do mingle, and if you want to say hi, you say you can you can say hi, and that's it. You haven't got this barrier between you. Yeah, and which I are, think and I think that's the re- I mean that's the reason that so many actors keep coming back to Galley, and there's a reason that certain actors will probably never come to Galley. Um, because they want that security and they want, yeah. you know, they, they've never been there before and they're kind of relying on what other people say about it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Mark Shepard can take care of himself. Yeah, I, obviously. <laughs> the, the examples you gave there, yeah, he can definitely take care of himself. But uh, that's brilliant. So um, I, I think we're, we're sort of... Um, so sort of nearly reached the end now of, of the of the Mark Shepherd podcast. It hasn't <laughs> it's, it hasn't really been a canton ever dealing with the third podcast, but uh, but no, it's it's good because he is he is a big um, sort of presence um, in sort of in how can I put it? It's sort of not not sort of like sci-fi and fantasy. We're just sort of US television full stop. I think really um, Mark Shepherd and um, I say what I've seen him and I've I've, I've always thought he, he plays some interesting characters. So. I think it's been great to great to talk to you about him. And I, I will add too, if people aren't familiar, um, he's also a drummer, and he was a drummer in a punk band for quite a little while before he became like a full time actor. All right, okay. Um, and if you search, if you search Mark Shepard Light of on YouTube, you can mm-hmm. get like his first the first music video that his band um, his band did, which is not a great music video um but he really he really knows his stuff and he's a he's a good drummer have you ever thought about trying to get him onto your um start the music podcast oh i've thought about it many many times but he's not, <laughs> he's not somebody i could easily i think just approach um and be like hey come talk about music on my podcast you never know he might be he might be up for it you never know something different isn't it yeah not talking about tv might be interesting it might be. It might be. Excellent. Well, okay, Kat. So, um, well, thanks for, very much for, for coming on. But as is customary in these situations, um, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you on the um, on the World Wide Web? <laughs> the World Wide Web. Um, <laughs> well, if you basically, if you need to find me for any sort, my my handle, my pen, my username for everything is Zanister, X-A-N-I-S-T-E-R. Um, I'm on Verity Podcast. Um, I'm not on every episode, but I'm part of the uh, part of the team putting it together. Um, so veritypodcast.com, and I also solo host um, Start the Music, which is a music pod, which is a music podcast that, um, while it's got its ru- uh, its roots in in punk music and punk rock music, um, my goal with that podcast is to introduce people to new music and to reinforce the idea that. 
you there's no genre of music that you don't like you like individual you might dislike individual songs or dislike individual artists but there is no such thing as somebody who can universally say they don't like country they don't like rap which are kind of the two major uh, major things so I do interviews I play music um, I do a lot of talking and uh, and yeah something uh, it's on hiatus right now it's coming back in the next few months and that is uh, stmpodcast.com. There you go, everybody. So get out there and listen. There's lots to listen to. So there mm-hmm. you go. Well recommended. Well recommended. <laughs> so, Kat, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this for this episode. And I really hope you can come back on again very, very soon. Well, thank you. And thank you for letting me fangirl and, and talk about Mark <laughs> Shepard. I don't get to do that nearly enough. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.